This week, I spent a few days in the woods with a group of sixth graders. And I told them one night that when I was in sixth grade, I would not have gone to nature's classroom in Mentone, Alabama, and stayed in the woods at night or during the day. So I would have done it when it was their age. And it wasn't necessarily because I was afraid of staying alone or afraid of, of being out in the woods. I was honest with them and I said, when I was in the sixth grade, I was afraid of getting sick. I was. I was afraid of getting sick, and it wasn't that I was afraid of, of, of catching a cold or getting the flu or, or maybe stepping on some type of, uh, of nail that might be buried out there somewhere in the woods by a cabin and, and get, having to go get a tetanus shot. No, no, no. I was afraid of getting cooties. That, that's what I was afraid of when I was in sixth grade. And, and for those of you who are adults, uh, especially you men, where, where, did, where did cooties come from? girls. See, everybody knows that, right? Cooties comes from girls. And so if, if as a group, I have been told in the sixth grade, you've got to go out into the woods and you're going to have to stay out there for a few days with, with all the boys and girls in your sixth grade class. <laughs> Y'all have fun. I mean, I never had I never had met anyone that had cooties, but I had heard, I had heard about this guy that was a couple of years older, and he got it one time, and it was really bad. I mean, he missed weeks of school because he caught cooties from the girls. Now, luckily, I had, I had been told that, you know, by the time you get to eighth and ninth grade, apparently... Girls are able to wash their cooties off, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. And so, I would have been fine going then, but not in the sixth grade, because I was too afraid. Wouldn't it be great if that's all we had to be fearful of these days? If all you had to be afraid of was catching cooties. You pull up an app on your phone that lists all the different news headlines... And you can read about dictators in far-off places that have disastrous intent. You read about sexual harassment allegations that are being thrown out from New York to California. You read about mothers doing terrible things to their children. You read about... Men walking in to houses of worship and taking life. It'd be great to scroll and just find something about cooties, you know. But there are real fears in our world. There are real fears that we do not need to gloss over and pretend do not exist. There are concerns that you have for your family. Concerns that you have for your children, for your, your grandchildren, and the world that they are growing up in, and the things that they are going to be experiencing. I've heard from some of you who have said that you have difficulty sitting in a service like this without turning around every once in a while and just looking around and seeing what's going on behind you. 
you walk into the mall at Christmas season now and you are concerned about where it is that you've parked, you're concerned about what's going to happen between the building and your car. All these different fears, all these different things that just seem to, to come at you. And every time you turn on a newscast, every time you see any type of news feed, it just seems like it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And you can't help but have some type of anxiety that would begin to well up inside you. You can't help but just feel overcome by the flood of emotions and the, the fear that sometimes begins to grip as it just seems like there are so many more bad things out there than there are good things. Second Kings chapter 6, there is a story about the army of Aram as it goes and surrounds the prophet of God, Elisha. And the servant of Elisha walks out of his dwelling one day and he looks out and he sees the enemy army and how they have set up position and how that they are ready to come down and attack. And he goes to Elisha and he describes all that he has seen. But Elisha, in what appears to be a very calm and understanding tone, tells him not to be afraid. He said, because those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. And I can picture the servant looking around trying to find where are those who are with us? Where are they hiding? Because I don't see them. And maybe that's how some of you guys have felt. You've been looking around trying to find where are those who are with us? Where are those who are on our side? Where are those who value life? Where are those who are concerned about their neighbor? Where, where are those that want to, want to see their children grow up in, in safety and have long life and health? Elisha prays. He says, Lord, open his eyes so that he might see. And the text says that the eyes of the servant were open. And as he looked out, he saw chariots and horses of fire surrounding the armies of Aram. See, Elisha understood something that his servant was just having to learn. And that maybe you and I still have to learn today. That God's eyes are always on God's people. He sees. He sees what is taking place. And he always has. We look and we think that this is a very difficult time. And maybe in your limited history it is. But as you look back over the course from creation, you realize that there have always been violent moments. There have always been centuries. There have always been times and places where it seems like all hell has broken loose in this world. And yet Elisha understood that they were surrounded by a loving 
protection because the eyes of the Lord are always on his people. And in the moment that seemed like it was the time for the greatest fear, in reality, it was the servant's time of greatest safety. So whether you are one of our middle schoolers who are here and you, you've been taking a lot of showers trying to get the cooties off from the trip that you went on, or you are one of our oldest members who have seen so much history and you have seen so much pain and hurt, can I tell you that you live in the hand of God? And God's heart is filled with tenderness and delight at the mere thought of you. And when you love somebody and you think about them, I know it makes you smile. And I truly believe that's how God feels about each and every one of his creation. You know, we take risk in life and there are going to be problems that we end up facing. It's just part of life and growing up. But sometimes we become afraid that we're all alone. We're like that bear cub out of the woods and the, the mountain lion is going to come up and it's going to devour us. We think that no one sees and we think that no one cares. And if you've had moments like that, or if you have them tomorrow, will you think about that little bear cub? Remember that someone is watching over you. You may not be able to see or hear him, but you are never out of his sight. You are never out of his care because you are beloved by God. Dallas Willard writes that Jesus lived a life of utter trust because he understood that the Father had unfailing devotion for him. And he says, quote, with this magnificent God positioned among us, Jesus brings the assurance that our universe is a perfectly safe place for us to be. Really? This universe is the perfectly safe place? This universe is the place where, where we can feel content? This universe is the place where we don't have to have anxiety? Because our world seems so unsafe. There are catastrophes and there, there are times of violence and diseases do blanket the earth that are much worse than cooties. And yet the discovery is all throughout Scripture that you can go to the lion's den and the fiery furnaces, that the prisons of Pharaoh and the floor of the Red Sea or a boat in the midst of a storm None of these things can separate you from the love of God that is displayed in Christ Jesus. And though times can seem dangerous, it turns out that it's the safest place of all to be. It's really true that our universe is the safest place to be, not because bad things won't happen in it, but as Paul put it, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are victorious in the face of unspeakable evil because we are beloved by God. And so we are able to, 
to say the words, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You see, our little growls and snarls might not be much of their own. But behind us stands one whose watch is unceasing. We might not be able to see him always or hear him, but the Father is there and there's nothing that can separate us from that love. Not failure and not cancer, not bankruptcy. There's no loneliness. There's death, no death itself. None of these things are stronger than the love that God has for us. And one day we're going to hear his roar. But until that time, we will live by faith. And yet it's still true that we never stand alone. I like the story that Matthew shares with us in his gospel, how that Jesus and his followers were on a boat once where without warning, there was this huge storm. Matthew uses the word seismos, that the idea that the ground is shaking because of the winds that were blowing. The disciples were understandably in a panic and they rush to find Jesus because they have faith in him that he can do something. And if you've heard the story before, you understand that Matthew includes some information that's very unique. For when the disciples find Jesus, he's asleep. And I think Matthew wants us to understand that given what Jesus knew about the Father, he was convinced that the universe was the perfect place of safety for him. You see, the disciples had faith in Jesus. They trusted that he could do something to help them, but they did not yet have faith like Jesus. Do you understand the difference? They did not share his settled conviction that they were safe in God's hands. Do you remember a time where you used to go maybe for walks with your grandparents? Maybe your grandpa was one of those that he always wore those blue overalls. And he always wondered why he never had any other pairs of clothes. And he would tell you how it's the most comfortable thing I've ever owned. And you would go for walks with him. And he would take you by the hand. I remember those times where you would go with your grandmother. Maybe she was hanging out clothes. Maybe she was just going out to the garden. And she would take you by the hand and you would be amazed at how she could point out all the different flowers along the path and knew about all the different types of trees that were growing in the yard. And there with your grandpa and there with your grandmother, you felt as if nothing could harm you, nothing could blemish the world in which you lived because you were safe in their hands. Maybe that's just a glimpse of what Paul is speaking of when he says that we are to allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. What would life look like? What would your life look like 
if you lived in the settled conviction that because of God's character and competence that this world is the safest place for you to be. I don't know about you, but my anxiety level would go down. I would have the settled trust that my life is perfectly at rest in the hands of God. I would not be tormented by my own inadequacy. I would be an unhurried person. I might be busy. I might have a lot of things to do. But, you know, there would be a calmness and there would be a poise about me that I knew that I was being held by God. And I would not say so many foolish things. I wouldn't speak without thinking. I wouldn't fire off different comments on Facebook or Twitter. And I would not be defeated by guilt. I would live in the confidence that comes from the assurance of God's love. And I would trust in God's love enough that I would obey Him. I wouldn't hoard. I wouldn't worry. That wouldn't be the focus of my life. Because I would understand how it would rob me of joy and and energy and compassion. Oh, if that was my life. I believe a person in whom the peace of God reigns can be an oasis of sanity in a world of pandemonium. In a community such as ours in which the peace of Christ reigns can change the world. It can change East Brainerd. It can change our homes. It can change the lives of our children. It can change our city. Living in Jesus' peace means that I come to think about and see the world as Jesus did. And a fundamental message of Jesus is his insistence that right here in my world, I am the object of God's unceasing vigilance. That God's eyes are on me, that he sees me, that he understands where I'm at and what is taking place. And Jesus never grew tired talking about this. He looked at his followers and said, why are you so worried about your life? Why are you fretting so much about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear? He said, think about those lilies out there in the field. They're not toiling They're not spinning. They're not forming any kind of floral unions to make sure that they're going to be taken care of. They don't operate with any strategic plans. They never have to restructure. They don't attend motivational seminars about how they they can release the redwood that's sleeping within them. And yet next to Solomon, in all of his splendor, He would look like he was wearing just rags. If God showers such beauty on grass that's here today and gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you who are his beloved? Consider the birds of the air. They're not generally type A personalities, they don't have ulcers or high blood pressure. But they are fed by the hand of God. And Jesus said, anytime you see a bird nibble some seed, and anytime you see that that squirrel that's finding that nut, you are watching a random, or you are not watching a random event. You are watching the love himself work. 
See, watching a bird just go about and finding something to eat, we normally don't even care about it. We watch the birds fly, we see them come down, we see them peck at the ground sometimes, and we don't give it a passing thought. But it's no accident that the food is available. And guys, every time you wake up, every time you think a thought, every time you enjoy a meal, these are not random occurrences. They are post-it notes of the love that the Father has. And he's attaching it to all creation in hopes that someone will read them and understand that, yes, it seems like everything is falling apart around you. And it is because you weren't made for this life. But that as long as you are in this life, I am with you. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. And if you think about it, you've experienced this already in your life. There was a time when you were lonely and God sent a friend at just the right time with just the right message. There was a time when you needed wisdom and guidance and it came in the form of a book or a podcast or a message or a wise word that was given just at the right time. You were discouraged and God gave you a time of worship that flooded you with hope and and courage. And you were tempted. You were tempted, but you felt a tug restraining you and you came to your senses. And before you made that decision that you realize now you would have regretted for all time, you changed. One of the most beautiful passages of Scripture is found in Isaiah 43. The words were written initially to God's people Israel, but I believe it has a message still for all today who claim him as father and willing to tell everyone that they are his people. He says, I have called you by name and you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk to the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He goes on to say, you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. And then the very next verse, verse 5. He says, so do not be afraid. For I am with you. Maybe you need to write Isaiah 43, 1 through 5 down. Or maybe you just need to put down the phrase somewhere there in the front of your Bible. Maybe you need to write it down somewhere on your glory, praise, and honor. For you are precious. You are honored. And I love you. You see, you are the beloved of God. What more do you need to acquire or to achieve? You are the beloved of God. Who else do you need to impress? You are the beloved of God. What other ladders do you need to climb? You are the beloved of God. What are you going to add to your resume that's going to top that? What if you were to make it your life to live as an experiment 
And that experiment was saying, each and every day, I am going to live in the love of God. And every morning when I wake up, I'm going to say, I am the beloved and I am safe. Each night when you go to sleep, you let those words echo. I am the beloved and I'm safe. You write those words down and you carry them with you. And when you're tempted to be in despair because you've blown it, you take that card out and you look at it and you say, I am the beloved and I am safe. When you wake up and you're tempted to be overwhelmed by everything that you have to do and all the requirements that are coming at you, I am the beloved and I am safe. You take it out when you're tempted to sin and you're looking at dishonoring God. And when you're tempted to lash out in anger and hurt someone, or it might be a time when you're going to deceive someone else, and you pull that out and you say, I am beloved and I am safe. And this week when you're afraid, and this week when you're anxious, and this week when you pull out your phone and there's something that shows up in your news feed that just shakes you to the core, you put down the device and you pick up his word. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or are persecuted or hungry? Or destitute or in danger? Or threatened with death? Or if I could add, if we read of wars and rumors of wars... If we witness unspeakable evil and violence. If our very safety is threatened. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Safe. In God's love. You are beloved. And you are safe. Now go. In peace. Father. There's so much anxiety present here. And our hearts. Break. As we witness the violence and the evil that seems to be so prevalent. We think about those worshipers who just who just last week, just like us, were coming together to be encouraged, coming together to be reminded of your love.
but their hearts go out to their families. And their hearts go out to those who, because of the events that took place and the things that they see going on right now, have come to the conclusion that apparently you are just not paying attention and you are not listening, that you don't care. Would you fill us with your peace, Father, so that we might be able to demonstrate that we truly believe that those who are with us are greater than those who are with the world. And may that confidence and that conviction sustain us so that we might be able to go about our day and we might be able to go to school, we might be able to go to work, get on the highway, that we might be able to fly halfway around the world, that we might be able to live our life in a way that lets everyone know that we're safe in your love and that no matter what happens in this life, we know that we have you and that you have promised to stand up behind us and offer protection through Jesus Christ. We claim that this morning. In his holy name we pray. Amen. Would you like to come for prayer this morning? Maybe for something that's taking place in your family. Would you like to come this morning and give your life to Jesus Christ because you have seen the turmoil and you have seen the evil, but yet because through him you have also seen the grace and the love and the mercy of God and you want to give yourself over to him, being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, having been cleaned and washed and rise to a new life of trust in him. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. If you need to be surrounded this morning, please come as we stand and sing.